the book of Luke in chapter 4. The book of Luke chapter 4. Now, the Lord Jesus is in his hometown. And he is at a meeting at the synagogue. And he quotes a couple of instances from the Old Testament. And he raises the ire and hatred of his own family and people of Nazareth. He said, in verse 27, and many lepers. Now, he's just said many widows in the previous verse. There were many widows in Israel. And now we have, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Now, what was it that really brought up the ire of those people that were his friends, his family, that God would deal with anybody but Jews? He brought up a Syrian. Now, the Syrians were the enemies of Israel a lot of time in the Old Testament. So if you would join me, well, if you read the rest of this, they got angry, tried to kill him. And... uh, I would like to go back to the incident that this is drawn from, and it's in 2 Kings chapter 5. In 2 Kings chapter 5, and i just like to go kind of slowly down through there, but not taking a lot of time, and just try to uh, uh, get some of the blessings that the Lord left us in this passage of Scripture, and we will find ourselves, if, if we're believers, we'll find ourselves in Naaman. Naaman is a representative of everyone in the human race. And in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, and there in verse 1, we're introduced to Naaman. And this is the Naaman that the Lord was speaking about over there in the book of Luke. There were many lepers. Now, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king. Now, that means commander-in-chief. He was in charge of the armies of the Assyrians, of the Syrians, was a great man. And when we're introduced to him, we find out that he has a great deal of note in the country that he is in. He has the respect of the king. He has the respect of many officers. He has the respect of many men. In fact, he says he's a great man with his master and honorable because by the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. Now, the only negative thing in that whole description about him is the last part of that verse. He has a terrible, terrible, terrible disease. It says there, but he was a leper. Now, if we were to see Naaman, we would probably only see his eyes, and maybe he'd be wearing sunglasses. He would wear his uniform. He would have his head covered. He would have everything about him would be covered. He probably wore gloves. Because if you saw his skin, you would be abhorred by it. It was leprous. And there's nothing in the Bible or in medical science that says that leprosy is a good thing to look on. So he covers himself. And you know, that's just the way we are in our nature, natural state. We cover ourselves the best we can to cover up what we have inside. And that is a heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And we don't want anybody to know about it. So we're going to cover it with religion. We're going to cover it with works. We're going to cover it, I don't believe in God. And we're going to do all those things. And that's, he's a fine man, but he's a leper. And we may be upstanding citizens, but we are sinners, sinners, sinners. All right.
And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. Now, when I was in Sunday school, they talked about she's probably three or four years. This is not possible. The scriptures would tell us that she's probably a teenager or maybe in her uh, early 20s. She is captive. She has the ability of doing work because it tells us that she is a little maid. She waited on Naaman's wife. So she has been captured. Now, She's been taken out of her homeland. She's been taken out of Israel. I cannot imagine what that would be like. I read about people that go to foreign countries and are taken captive, and what extent will parents, families go through to try to retrieve them? I remember the captives that were in Iran for a long, long time, and what our government tried to go through, and finally it took place. They were delivered. Uh, What agony that a parent would go through when they find out that their daughter has been taken captive by the enemy soldier. But we find out in this instance, just like in every instance, God's not left behind. He, as we find in the book of Daniel, and I don't know uh, Nebuchadnezzar's position before the Lord, but he certainly was a mouthpiece for the Lord when he said that God is the one in charge of the army of heaven the inhabitants of the earth, none can stay his hand or say, what are you doing? So we have God working out this according to his good providence and good pleasure. And a young maiden is taken out of Israel back to Syria by Naaman. And this young lady becomes the servant of Naaman's wife. Now, it's interesting that this young servant girl knows something. That's how God does his business. He is going to send us somebody that knows something. Now, I had a lot of people talk to me that didn't know anything. They knew about free will. They knew about eschatology. They knew about all of the other nonsense that is around us. But they didn't know a thing about Jesus Christ and him crucified. They portrayed a Christ that is trying to do something. He, he made us savable, and it's up to you and all that. Well, that's not what this girl knows, and that's not what the man who brought me the gospel know, knows, and that's not the gospel that is preached here. We have a Savior that saves, and we have a Redeemer that redeems. And what we find out is that he did that. <laughs> he reveals those truths to us. It's not that we discover that he's a savior. He's always been the savior. We discover that he's been my savior. He's my savior now. Well, it tells us in verse 3, And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria. And in my translation, there's an explanation point after that because she's pretty excited about what she just said. I wish this, your master, I wish... uh, uh, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. What a statement. He would recover him of his leprosy. The prophet in Israel would recover him. Now, she has faith. I have people say, well, I have little faith. Well, thank God you have little faith. (laughs) Because by nature, we don't have any faith. It says... The Lord said, if we have faith, as, if we have faith, we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, we could say to this mountain, be ye moved, and it be removed. 
Well, since we don't have faith as a grain of mustard seed, we can't accomplish anything on our own. We have to have God's faith. The, the moon tells me a lot about faith. That moon is just a rock until the sun shines on it and it reflects it back to us. That's why we see the moon. And we must have his faith sent to us and then we reflect it back to him. We have faith in him. We believe him. We read the word and I say, that's true. That's the truth. You know, I don't have to see the ark. The Bible said it was there. I don't have to go looking for the ark. I don't have to go to a model of the ark. God said it's true, and I, that's the way it is. And I believe that God left us all the word he intended for us to have, and we're not having to search for more or delete some of this. I, I knew a man one time that said that, well, seven is the perfect number, and there's only 66 books, so I'm going through the Apocrypha, and I'm going to find out the four books. That should have been? What idiocracy. That just telling me, you don't even have any faith. The faith of God's elect will believe God's word. All right? And it goes on in verse 4. And one went and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is in the land of Israel. Well, my goodness. So he just, well, okay. Well, he goes to the king of Syria. Now, isn't that just like us? We'll go to this place. We'll go to that place. We've been told where to go, but we'll go to this place. We'll go to that place. We'll go here. We'll go listen to that. And we're not inclined to go hear the gospel. That's not our goal. The apostle Paul, as Saul of Tarsus, was not going to a revival meeting down in Damascus when the Lord found him, when the Lord appeared to him. And he spoke to him in the Hebrew tongue. He is intersected the position that God intended him to meet him, and right there it happened. So this Naaman is going to Syria. Go, go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. Now what is he going to do with that? I need to trade this for healing. Now, if you look this up, there's a lot of discussion on how much that is, but it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of money. And he is taking it along because he knows that when he meets this man, it's going to have to be a trade. Why does he know that? Because that's what's been going on in Syria. If you want anything done, it has to be by trade. You know, I find in religion that a person like this man, a great man in his own eyes, and a great man in the country, if they go to church, they are so worked and milked and brought in and friendly. Let's have you teach. Let's have you do this because they're going to tithe. There's not much interest in their soul. Their only interest is what can I get out of them? Well, that's exactly what Naaman is used to in Syria. Well, let's just go on. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes. Now, that means I'm in trouble. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen here because am I God to kill and to make alive that this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? My goodness, I am a terrible spot here. If he expects me to be able to do this, it's an impossibility. And he says, 
Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Verse 8, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel, isn't it interesting, someone in the court took news to Elisha? He got word. There's a guy over here that's got leprosy, and he's expecting the king to take care of it. And what does he do? Come over here, and we'll do thee good. Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Why did you tear your clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now, in the first part of that, we find that Elisha, God wrote this and said, Elisha, the man of God. This is God's word about Elisha. He's the man of God. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This guy knows something. Now, the king doesn't know anything. The king of Assyria knows less. You'd think the king of Israel would know something, but he doesn't know anything. The king of Assyria knows less, and Naaman knows less than all of them. There is just somebody God put in a very special place in the household of Naaman over there in Israel, someone that can help my master. So, the uh, the Elisha, the man of God, says, send him over here. So in verse 9, so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and all his money <laughs> and servants and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now, this is very interesting because as we look at this, it tells us in verse 11, as a result of verse 10, Naaman was mad. <laughs> Naaman was very mad. In fact, he's wroth. In fact, I kind of get the same impression from these words as I do over in the book of Acts where it says Saul of Tarsus breathing out threatenings and slaughter. He's very upset. Now, he's upset for a reason. Number one, this man showed no respect to me. You know, I'm convinced if the king of Syria, the king of Israel, or a leper from Jerusalem had appeared at Elisha's door like it was requested, he would have done exactly the same thing. The gospel does not change with station. The gospel is the same. And it is not up to Elisha. Uh, in religion, we were taught how to be midwives, spiritual midwives. You, all you have to do is ask the right questions and you can get a profession of faith out of people. You're a midwife. And then you find out there's no way that we are allowed to enter into this special birthing process. It is all up to God. He's the father and he's the mother. He is the one that breathes life. He's the one that does all. And it is in his time, as the Apostle Paul said, when it pleased God, he was born and he never went back to his old religion. In fact, he talked, most of his conversation with the churches was against his old religion because there were certain in there that were still following it. Circumcision and all that other stuff. Well, in verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger unto him. He didn't even go to the door. He didn't show any, it was no deference. This man was a sick man. This man had leprosy. There was no way in this world that he would do anything different to anybody else. 
He sent a messenger saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now, where did this man, this servant, the messenger, get this message? That was the messenger that, that was the message Elisha gave him. Now, where do we get our message? It's not our man-made message. It's from God. You must be born again. Now, I'm out of the discussion now. <laughs> I'm out of the equation now. All I am is a messenger. That's all we are. We preach the gospel, and we're out of the equation. It is not up to us to produce the fruit. God is going to do that. And when we get involved, we're going to pick green apples. That's it, and they'll rot. I'll never forget Brother um, Rolf Barnard was at a meeting one time, and somebody came up to him and said, Brother Rolf, I'm one of your converts. And he says, you look like one. God would do a better bit job than I do. <laughs> and he does. God does a better job. We're not going to go back. We can't fall back. We're, the idolatry is taken from us. We're going to worship the king. Now, we may fall down once in a while, but we're, our eyes are on the king. That's it. All right. So Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, now this is, this is just natural man to its nth degree, I thought. Everybody has an idea of how to be saved, you know. Uh, one old preacher said that every mother's son is a theologian. And that's why we have Bible studies that are, okay, you tell me your opinion, you tell 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 your opinion, I'll tell my opinion, and then we'll all have coffee. That's not the gospel. The gospel is we will declare this and let it fall where it may. We just let it fall. Now, it may be offensive, but the cross is offensive. We're not going to be offensive. We don't want to be offensive, but the cross is offensive. When we tell people, you must be saved by the Christ of the cross that laid down his life a ransom for many, that's divisive. <laughs> that will separate friends. That will separate families. That will separate husbands and wives. That will separate brothers and sisters. That will just... So it will be offensive, but we don't have to be offensive. The gospel is, let's declare Christ. So he says, I, he, I, I thought he will surely come out. What? I'm a respectable man. He'll honor me. He'll do all the things that are necessary for good etiquette. And then call on the name of the Lord, his God. He's got it all figured out. And strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. And not one of that is what God said. God said, go down to the River Jordan. Now, why didn't he said, he goes in the next verse here. Are not Abana and Farfar rivers of Damascus? That's the rivers of Syria. Aren't they just as good? You know, what was the reason he didn't want Jordan? Because these people were wrong. Always wrong. They had a God that said, I will save whom I will save. They had a God that spoke to them and demanded blood payment. They had a God. This is so different. I can't believe it. And, you know... Uh, in the Dalles here, if we just simply said, you know, we're going we're, we're gonna to have to go along with this free will preaching and we're going to have to quit talking about election, we're going to have to quit talking about the doctrines of grace, and then we get a bigger crowd, you'd have a bigger crowd. But you don't have anything. And people are mad. They'll come once or twice. We've had people come six months in the Dalles and finally say, oh, I can't abide by this. And then we have people come by and say, you know, this is what I've been looking for. I'm staying. So aren't that rivers over there in Damascus? 
in that religion I'm in over there just as good as this religion? Well, in closing, there is something that takes place. And his servants came near and spake unto him. You know, everything that we ever hear about the gospel just goes whoosh, whoosh, whoosh by nature until the Holy Spirit comes along and makes it effectual. And that's what happens. A servant came, it says, came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather than when he says to wash thee, wash and be clean. And he went down. <laughs> Everything has been overcome. All of his misgivings, all of his thoughts, all, all of his I thoughts are gone. Because someone came along and convinced him effectually that what Elisha said was the truth. And he went down. Now, this is the first time probably any of his soldiers have ever seen Naaman in his real self. And they look at him and say, oh my gosh, we've been following this man. He's an abomination. He goes down, comes out, and he said, his, his flesh, verse 14, of a little child, and he was clean. Now, it wasn't the water. It was grace. It was grace. And how clean we come. The Lord has made us clean. Put sin away. Never be charged with sin. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elected? Is God that justifies? Clean, clean, clean. Gracious Father, we thank you for this time you've given us this morning. These dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, thank you, for, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit that makes it effectual to our heart. Bless our fellowship now and may it be sweet in thee. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.